When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's April 13th, 1555, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Now, you may not have heard of Joanna of Castile, but she went under many names. Joanna of Aragon, Johanna la Loca, Joanna the Mad, or simply Crazy Joan. You'll notice there's something of a theme to most of them. And it was on this day in 1555 that she died, having not washed or bathed or changed her clothes for many months, convinced that some nuns were out to kill her. So by the end, this Spanish queen certainly was a bit mad. But, you know, 45 years in prison at the hands of your own family might do that to you. And to work out the origins of her instability, if she was unstable, you possibly might need look no further than her mother because when Joanna was a very little kid, she was a bit of a religious sceptic. And meanwhile, her mum, the Queen Isabella, had established the Spanish Inquisition uh, in 1478. So a bit of a culture clash between the two of them. Joanna was subjected to a coercive punishment known as la cuerda or the rope, which involved being suspended by a rope with weights attached to one's feet. Uh, That's not going to set you up very well. That's not good sort of child rearing. Well, and despite the fact that she was undergoing what we would obviously now recognise as physical and emotional abuse, she was regarded at the time as being highly intelligent. You Mm. know, by the age of 15, she'd received a really remarkable level of education for a woman, even for a princess. She studied law, languages, philosophy, as well as all the usual princessy subjects, you know, etiquette, dancing, horse riding, that sort of thing. She was married off very young as well. She was married at the age of 15 And unusually for what you might be picturing from medieval dynasty alliance, she was married to an 18-year-old, not completely out of her age range, Philip (laughs) the Duke of Burgundy, who was a member of the Habsburg dynasty. But his nickname was The Fair, which suggests that this was before the Habsburg inbreeding had become a problem. (laughs) I have to say, if you're going to be married to someone to something, being married to, like, Philip the Handsome or The Fair is a pretty good outcome. (laughs) Although Philip the Philanderer might have been a more accurate description. Mm. Um, Handsome, by modern standards, I'm not so sure. I mean, you should go and check out his image. It's interesting, isn't it, how ideals of beauty change, but he's quite plain and pale. Philip the Passable. <laughs> Philip the Six, 6.5. <laughs> but he was obviously incredibly appealing to the opposite sex. In fact, from the moment that Joanna and he set eyes on each other, they fancied each other to the extent that they actually brought forward their wedding so they could get on with the consummation. And uh, it was an open secret that, um, that he'd had his way around the court. Yeah, and these are where these early accounts of her instability start to emerge. But if you think about it, she's a 16-year-old girl, and this is essentially her first boyfriend. Mm. So in response to all of his very obvious philandering, she had these jealous rages. She would fly at these women who she thought were his mistresses and attack them. I mean, of course, this is all very unseemly if you're supposed to be a royal. But at the same time, if you think of her, you know, as being a teenage girl, this, she's no different from the people, you know, who are like messaging girls on Instagram being like, I know you've been chatting to my boyfriend, you need to back <laughs> off. So it wasn't that unusual, really. The part where it started to get a little bit 
scary was when the pair of them went to Spain to visit her parents and she was pregnant and Philip decided to go back to his palace in Flanders obviously to gallivant and she was heavily pregnant she wanted to follow him and her mother Isabella refused to let her leave and she had this spectacular meltdown she was trying to get into the stables to fetch the horses she was you know slamming things smashing things screaming all night so there are accounts which suggest there was something to the idea that she was mentally unstable but a lot of it does seem to be rooted in pretty normal behaviour. It's something that we'll come back to, but regardless, it really shouldn't have mattered because she wasn't actually in line to the throne, Mm. or at least she wasn't terribly close to the throne, until her brother, who was the heir to both his parents' thrones. So her brother, Juan, died of an illness uh, in the autumn of 1497, and though his wife was pregnant at the time, the child was still born, so that sort of snuffed out that line, and from there the position of heir briefly went to Joanna's older sister, Isabella of Asturias, but she died in childhood birth less than a year later and her son Prince Miguel survived to the age of two before yes you guessed it dying mm. <laughs> leaving Joanna as the heir to both Castile and Aragon and it's at this stage that uh, Philip sort of gets interested in trying to control uh, Joanna because suddenly she's politically useful and apparently he started locking her in her rooms and, and limiting her freedom and that is another source of the possibility of her instability Ferdinand, her father, is still alive at this point, but isn't the king. They, they'd kind of ruled jointly. He needed someone else to rule with to represent the other dynasty. So that could have been her, his daughter. So there's this interesting moment after Isabella, her mother, dies, where there's this power struggle, really, between mm. Philip, her husband, the handsome, the philandra, the gallivanter, and Ferdinand, <laughs> the uh, convert to Catholicism or will kill you guy. Um, and both of them are minting coins... Yeah. in their names alongside Joanna's. It's a mint off. It's a done deal. <laughs> you're you're going to be queen with me. Look, we've got the yep. silverware. <laughs> I'm on a coin. It's, it's evidence. <laughs> crucially, during this period of time, she was still semi-imprisoned in the Low Countries, but she made a really good impression on visitors to the court during this time, including the Venetian ambassador, who said she had the air of a wise and prudent lady. So certainly not seeing any signs that she's incapable. And it was really strange what happened between Ferdinand and Philip, because they went from being rivals to somehow coming to the agreement that Joanna was the problem. Yes. So at one point in 1506, Philip the 6.5 and Joanna were coming home and they had to stop off in England because there were these massive storms. And in stopping off there, she and Philip uh, get the support of Henry VII, who's still on the throne at that stage. And he pretty much says, I'm going to support you in your bid to take control of the country. And Ferdinand then backs off and agrees to cede Castile to Joanna. And again, Philip then tries to control Joanna further, but he promptly dies in 1506. And uh, and at this stage, there's some uncertainty. According to Ferdinand, Joanna basically gives up her kingdom to him. But actually, what looks like happened is that she gets imprisoned again, this time at the hands of Ferdinand. Yeah, apparently she was partial to the conspiracy theory that her father Ferdinand had had Philip poisoned. So she probably wasn't in the mindset to say, you know what, you should just carry on being the king of everything. Yeah, the official verdict was typhoid, wasn't it? But there still persists a theory that he was poisoned by Ferdinand. And I think it's important that we also address the, the well, either true story or rumour that after the death of Philip, Joanna had this peculiar... Uh, relationship with the corpse where she kept the casket for uh, for months or years on end and she'd occasionally ask to have it opened and she'd gaze upon Philip's 
still maybe beautiful, possibly decaying corpse and occasionally kiss it. But again, how accurate these accounts were is under question because obviously both Ferdinand and Charles, who's now in on the act wanting to get on the throne, they both have a stake in ensuring that it's known that Joanna's insane. Well, we do have some evidence. We've got the English state papers, and this was written in January 1508, so this is well over a year after Philip's death. The envoy writes, All efforts to persuade her to bury the corpse have been in vain. Her state of health is such as to render it very dangerous to contradict her. And then he wrote again in, in June, noting that she still hadn't been persuaded to, to bury the body, or that doesn't have any accounts of her, you know, opening the casket and lavishing it with kisses, etc. It's not <laughs> it's not as juicy as that, but yeah. certainly it's pretty good evidence that she wouldn't, she wouldn't let him be buried. She's sort of already an archetype for these beautiful young women who go crazy through love or the death of their love you know she's like she's the prototype i suppose for you know in fiction ophelia or the lady of shallot or bertha in jane eyre she is the mad woman in the attic right it's strange isn't it like depending on the translation of the name how differently you picture her because when you hear crazy joan you think of an old english peasant woman in a headscarf <laughs> or something when you hear like juana la loca you're like oh i can see her she's like about to Hang leap on. off a balcony her bosom's heaving inside her tight frock regardless her son the emperor charles the fifth had her restricted to a castle in tordesillas um, she was briefly liberated as part of an uprising against Charles, uh, but that mm. didn't work out very well for her either because then he came back to power and stuck her in a windowless room for the rest of her life uh, and proclaimed that no one speaks to Her Majesty for no good can come of it. I mean, brutal. So in the end, she spent almost 40 years in this confinement. And by the end, we know that she certainly was mentally and physically very frail. It's interesting when you compare it to English monarchs of this era. People were prepared to say of a male monarch who was acting erratically. Oh, he's just an eccentric, even when he's completely bloodlust mental. Whereas in her case, she was just mourning her husband, and yet she was locked in a castle. It, during that brief period where she was freed by rebels who wanted to overthrow Charles, she was apparently quite uncooperative, and I thought... Well, she's just been locked in a yeah. like in a castle with no windows for for thirty <laughs> years or or however long it was by then. You would might find yourself a bit uncooperative as well. Also, if the plan was to kill her son, you can understand her feeling queasy about that, can't you? Even if he was the reason she was there. Yeah, I mean, she still loved Philip in spite of the fact that he'd been locking her up as well. So she died <laughs> at the age of seventy six, but. Uh her issues went on to be monarchs all across the world like you know kings mm. and queens of the holy roman empire italy spain portugal france hungary england denmark and poland had all come forth from her womb so you know in the t in the 10 years that she wasn't locked up for being mad she had quite an important role in shaping the royal families of the world so let's chalk it up as a win <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow and also there were no indicators on cars in general you were relying on hand signals Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.